Thanks so much for joining us today on Leesburg Community Church's podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, including directions and service times, please visit leesburgcc.org. On our website, you can also find notes and daily devotionals based on this teaching. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you liked today's message. Hey, let's jump into our passage. Uh, we're looking, obviously, at the, red, the parting of the Red Sea, the Israelites walking through it on dry ground, and we, we really want to have a fresh perspective of it. We don't want to remember it from being a child. We want to dive into it and say, Lord, what are you speaking to me? What are you teaching? What, do you, what is it you want me to cling to in this passage? And the very first thing that I want you to see is that God has a plan for where you are. And what we're going to do is we're going to actually go back to 13, not 14 like we just read. We're going to go back to 13 and read this. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, uh, though it was a shorter route. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around the desert toward the Red Sea. Not the shortest distance at all. Not even the, it wasn't the route you would take. But because the Lord knows exactly what they needed, when they needed it, exactly how much they could endure on this journey, even with his help and his strength, because they knew, because the Lord knew what was best for them and what he still had yet to accomplish by taking care of the Egyptians, he said, hey, here's what we're going to do. We're going to lead them on this difficult journey, this other journey, this long distant journey that won't even make sense to them. They will probably literally scratch their head and go, why are we doing this? And the Lord said, go do it. And here's the deal. They also saved them from a couple other things. In the process, if they would have left and went that route, there would have been Egyptian outposts that would have been right there as they were heading down the road, that they would have ran across, and they would have immediately attacked and fought. And let's be honest, it wouldn't have taken even a smaller Egyptian part of their army, or a platoon, or a division, whatever you call them, right? It wouldn't have even taken a, a very large one to wipe out a bunch of slave bricklayers, not trained military people. It wouldn't have taken a whole lot to wipe out women and children who were on this journey. It wouldn't have taken much, and the Lord knew that, so he sent them on a different direction. Now, if they would have went that direction, they also would have crossed through Philistine, and, and they would have caused the Philistines to come out and go to war with them, a, a, a fighting force to be reckoned with for sure, and they were not ready for the hand-to-hand combat that would be required to make their way to Mount Sinai. The Lord knew everything that they needed, both to grow up in their walk, to become a nation. Remember, this is the first time they're leaving Egypt to become a nation under God. He knew that it was going to take some time. He knew that they couldn't, uh, they couldn't face a war as a nation the moment they walked out. He knew that he was going to have to continue to put his power on display. He knew he was going to have to show him his power, show them his power to wipe out the enemies that would, in just a short period of time, be in front of them. He knew what he had to do in their life. So here's what I want to say to us this morning, the fresh perspective. He knows where he's taking you. He knows where he wants you to go. He knows what you can handle. Now, in and of yourself, not much. Let's just be honest. In and of ourselves, you're like, oh, no, I can handle it. Come on. We get crippled fast, don't we, when life comes against us and crushes us? We get crippled fast. 
But in the Lord's strength, we can handle immeasurably more than we can ever think and imagine, is what, is what Ephesians tells us. And then all throughout Scripture, we have these amazing stories of God's power and majesty on display, right? And so in his strength, we can handle so much more. But he knows what's best for us and what we can handle even in his strength. So he will take us on the journey that's required for us to be in the midst of his plan and his glory. He will take us on the right journey. Wherever you are right now in your walk with him, wherever you are in your life, even if some of the choices caused you to be there, right? I get it. Even if you made some really difficult choices in your life, sin and the death of some relationships and things like that, the Lord hasn't taken his hand off you. He is still very much directing your life. He is still taking you exactly where you need to be to whether it's to receive healing, to offer somebody else healing, to grow up in your faith, to defeat the enemies that are abounding you. Whatever it is, you, we have to trust him. And that journey might be a lot longer than we wanted, right? We are the microwave generation. I don't even know if a microwave is fast enough anymore. We want it right now. And if we don't have it right now, where's God? Really? He's right where he's always been. Where's our trust? Where's our faith? That's the question. Is he still the sovereign, powerful, almighty God, or is he not? And if he is, trust the journey that he has you on. Trust the journey. He has you right where he wants you. The next thing I want us to see, this next perspective is this. God, desire God's glory more than your relief. Desire God's glory more than your relief because he is building your faith for the future. We've talked about that almost every week in this series because we just keep seeing that, that what God's doing is to draw glory unto himself. And some might sit there and go, well, are you kidding me? That's a, what an egotistical God that he's doing all these things in my life just so he can have glory? Oh, come on, man. What kind of, what kind of selfish, self-serving God is that? Let's, let's pause. Let's, let's pause that thought for a quick second. To bring him glory, right? He's going to do this great work in our lives. And to bring him glory, which is to shine the light on who he is, right? Is to glorify his character, to, to expose who he is. And why? So that others can have that relationship with God that you have right now. So that your faith can grow deeper in him than it is today. So you can be better prepared for the future. It shines, what's going on in your life and how he's working is shining the light, is exposing who God is, his character, his majesty, his power, his provision. It's exposing it so that we can grow up in our faith and others are directed towards him. Others will come to faith. You see, if we would, if we would desire his glory, our lives would be used for others to come into knowledge and a relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. If we would desire his glory, we would enter into the faith relationship, the intimate relationship that he wants to have with us that so many times we resist and fight because we just want it over and we want it over right now. We would grow in our understanding of how he works so that he could use us for more. He could use us for that which is different later on in our lives. If we're willing to go through that difficult time right now, it's amazing what he will do later in our lives. Because if our lives are used to glorify him, then we've been faithful with this life that we've been given. And he will use us in an even greater way, an even greater influence 
at another time because now you're prepared. Now you're prepared for something greater. And so you're like, so what do you mean? <laughs> so this was difficult, and you're telling me that you're going to prepare me for something even more difficult? Yes. 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 Because he's always going to walk by your side because he's going to be your God. He's going to be the one that's lifting you up. He's going to be the one that's equipping you. He's going to be the one that's giving you the strength. And your life is going to shine on his character and his greatness so that others can know Christ to grow up in their relationship, that you will be used as an instrument and tool for others to know and walk with God. Yes. Is there a greater purpose? Can you think of a greater purpose for your life? Can you think of a way your life would impact and change more people's lives? Can you think of a better reason for the Lord to leave us here rather than take us immediately to eternity, which is so much better than here? Can you think of a better reason? He didn't need us, and yet he chose us. He didn't need us to cast glory on him, right? He didn't need us to work through our lives that he would be glorified. He chose us to work through our lives that he would be glorified. Oh, what a great love he has for us. May we desire his glory more than our comfort. Keep your eyes. The next perspective is keep your eyes on the Lord. It's the only way to live freely. Keep your eyes on the Lord. It's the only way to live freely. Exodus 14.10 says this. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. In 14.11 and 12, it says this. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt you brought us into the desert to die? Or what have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us be slaves? It would be better for us, to, uh, for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Remember that when we were reading through, I told you that, right? That, that to, look up, to look up from the Lord means to look away from him. Remember the, the cloud was in front guiding them literally the presence of the Lord. The, the pillar of fire at night was in front. If they got a little nervous, they could look back, and he was behind them as well, making sure that they knew. As long as they never took their eyes off the Lord. Remember what it said? They were courageous and bold. When we take our eyes off the Lord, we immediately look somewhere else. We begin to long for something else to solve our problems. We begin to long for something else to be our our strength. We begin to long for something else to be our relief. We begin to long for something else to be our directional choices. We begin to long for something else. When we take our eyes off the Lord, here's the very first thing that happens. We get terrified because we actually see what is around us. And it terrifies us. How do we withstand it? How do we endure it? How do we go through it? How will we make it? And here we stand at the crisis moment of our lives. There will be another one, but this is the one we're at today. And it's the edge of the Red Sea. If I go in, surely I will drown. By the way, let's just assume that all the Israelites could swim. But they couldn't. They were desert people. But let's just assume it, that they could all swim. Let's assume every baby could swim and every woman could swim and every man could swim. Let's just assume it. It was a muddy, junky water. It's literally a sea that was dying. All you do is sink and get caught in the muck and you die. And my fears, the enemy, my past, whatever it is, whatever the trial is right at the moment, it is creeping up behind me. And you take your eyes off the perfecter 
of your faith. You take your eyes off the provider of your faith. You take your eyes off the creator and the holy one. You take your eyes off the all-knowing, the all-powerful one, and you begin to look at this, and it is overwhelming, and you cannot handle it. And in your fear, you begin to look and grasp for control. In your fear, you begin to look and grasp for that which will make you feel better, that will make you feel more confident, that will give you hope in this moment, even though it's not hope for getting past this moment. You need to find relief, and you'll try to find it fast. And what did the Israelites do? It's better to be slaves. Send us back to being slaves. We would rather be slaves to the Egyptians than to die with them. Are you kidding me? Are you really saying that? Really? Really, you're saying that? So the Lord that brought you out of this, the one who says, you're my people, put your faith and trust in me. You will be with me forever, right? I would rather go back and serve the Egyptians rather than possibly even to die and be with you. Our perspective gets absolutely distorted when we take our eyes off God. Can't do it. You gotta let the past stay in the past. Whatever worked in the past, there is absolutely no guarantee it will work today. Whatever was of your strength in the past is no guarantee that it'll be the strength of today. Knowledge is good from the past. Learning is good from the past. But what was in the past is in the past. And usually what's in the past so much is our sin. Usually what's in the past so much is our own control. Usually what's in the past is that which we took comfort and refuge in instead of our God. Well, look back there and remember how he provided and then go forward. If you're going to look to the past, look to the Lord. He was behind us, and he's before us. But if you take your eyes off the Lord, we begin to get lost real fast. Real fast. Don't turn back to captivity. Don't go there. It's only the lie and the lure of freedom. What does the Lord have before you? And yes, I know we're talking about crisis, but so many times what the Lord has before us is something so good, but it's uncomfortable. But what he has before us is not going through a trial. What he has before us is going to be this most uh, glorious time that we get to spend with him and experience him in a really new, fresh way. But we're so afraid because we can't see it. We don't understand it. So we get fearful of it. And instead, we want to stay back. You know, churches all over America are dying right now. Literally, they're closing up their doors all over America because people won't move forward, because they're satisfied with the, the relationship that they had with God 20 years ago, 30 years ago. They're satisfied to be the church 10 years ago or 15 years ago that they were. And the Lord's trying to show them a new thing. The Lord's trying to show them a new way to go. And they said, no, 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 no. I want what I had. I don't want what you have for me. Let us not be that in our personal lives, as a church, with our families. Let us not be that. The Lord's doing something in front of you. Walk with him. Now, you say, that's great, Tim. Uh, don't take our eyes off the Lord. And that literally means don't take your eyes off Scripture. Have your eyes focused on Scripture all the time. You say, well, how does that mean that? Where do you see the Lord at work? Where do you see all of his character on display? Where do you see all of his actions on display? Scripture. Where do you see how he works in and out of people's lives? Scripture. Well, where are you reminded of how he worked in your life when you're spending that time in Scripture? Don't take your eyes off Scripture, okay? Don't take them off Scripture. And don't take them off one another, encouraging one another as the day is ahead of us, right? It's a tough day. Encourage one another. Don't take your eyes off doing that. Don't take your eyes off spending time with the Lord in prayer, having that intimate moment with him, okay? Don't take your eyes off that. But you're like, okay, all right, but I'm in the thick of it, Tim, and that's hard. Then here's the next perspective I want us to gain. Be still and remember God is with us. So they did all of this complaining, 
And then all of a sudden, uh, Moses said this in, in, in Exodus 14, 13 through 15. Moses answered, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see them again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out? Tell the Israelites to move on or to go forward. So, ready? Let's, let's pause for a minute. Put, don't be afraid. So how are we going to fight this thing? How are we going to fight turning away from the Lord? How are we going to fight the fears that are creeping up behind us? How are we going to sit at the water's edge? The first thing is we're going to remember who our God is. Not taking our eyes off him, but remember his character, his power, all the way he's worked, his promises that he's never broken. We're going to remember that. That's going to wipe away our fears to start with. But then the next thing we're going to do is we are going to stand still and be still. To stand still and be still. Psalm 46, be still and know that I am the Lord. Literally, be still and remember who the Lord is. Be still and remember his power. Be still and recount the stories of his promises kept. Be still and trust. Be still. In the chaos, one of the worst things we do is we go like this. And we start, I got to take care of, I got to take care of, I got to take care of, I got to do, I got to handle, I got to make it, I got to, I got no, no, be still and know the Lord. Be still and wait upon him. What's happening in our moment of crisis and fear and all of that? Our emotions are at a high and we depend on our emotions and our feelings to t- make choices and actions. And where do our emotions and our feelings lead us to? They lead us back to the past. They lead us to, to, to sins. They lead us to depending on others instead of the Lord. They lead us to some sort, of, some sort of help right now as opposed to waiting for what the Lord will develop in our lives. Be still. Be still. And know that he is Lord. Stand still instead of running around in the midst of the chaos trying to find a different way out. Be still at the water's edge and go, Lord, show me. Show me where I'm supposed to step. Show me how I'm supposed to do this. Show me how to respond. Show me how to love better. Show me how to forgive the way you forgive. Show me, Lord. This is bad right now, Lord. I don't know how to make this, Lord. The enemy's pressing in, Lord. Show me how to trust you. Be still and know that I am Lord. Be still. Fear not, stand still, be still. And when he shows you, don't hesitate for a second. Go forward. Go forward. Trust him. Go forward. Go forward. Okay? And now, I want to add this little piece in here. I didn't have it in my outline, and I threw it in my outline. I did it in the middle of the week. I just want to give it to you. It's a bonus. Ah, come church, get a bonus. Okay, here's what I'm going to read to you real quick, okay? It says, Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove, back the, uh, drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through on sea and uh, on dry ground with all the water on their right and on their left. Uh, and then the Lord... Uh, the next in 24 to 25, it says, During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and clouded the Egyptian army at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He jammed the wheels of their chariots so that they had a difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, Let us get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them. Right? And then he 
flowed back the water to cover over the chariots and the horsemen. Here's what I want you to do. I was, I was studying this passage this week, and my wife and I spent a little bit of time uh, one morning, and we went through the passages together. And we just kind of took some notes, and we talked about it. We said, I said, how's the Lord speaking to you through this? What's he, what's he doing in your heart with this? And she goes, oh. She goes, Tim, you got here it is. You ready? Here it is. If I had to take one thing, here it is. Our God thinks of everything. Our God thinks of everything. He dried up the ground so that they could go through. He, he made the waves stay back as long as was needed. He caused the Egyptians to go into confusion. He then made their wheels stick in the mud that was just dry a little bit ago. Our God thought of everything. Not only the route, he hardened Pharaoh's heart so that he would suddenly leave. And then he made him even mad. He made sure that the whole army was with him. He was so stirred up and mad that the whole army would be with him. Our God thought of everything. So in those moments when we're taking that step, we would go forward. We're like, oh, but, but, but will he do this? He thinks of everything. Oh, but will he take care of this? He thinks of everything. He thinks of everything. There's not one part that you need that he leaves out. There's not one thing that is beneficial to you and the kingdom of God that he leaves out. He thinks of Everything. For what reason? Because of his great love for you. Because you are his son or his daughter. He thinks of everything. All right. Malachi, you around there, man? Because you need to be on stage, bro. You coming? Yes? No? We'll see. If they show up, there he is. All right. Whew. Finally this. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. (laughs) So, remember everybody celebrated and worshiped the Lord because they saw what he did? Right now, do me a favor. When was the last time you saw God work powerfully in your life? When was the last time you were standing at the Red Sea and he parted it for you? When was the last time the enemy was at the door and you thought for sure your life was going to be crushed? And instead he gave you freedom. When was the last time you began to complain and wanted to go back to slavery? But he said, no, my son. No, my daughter, go forward into freedom. Do you remember it? Do you have it? It causes us to worship him. It causes us to trust him. It causes us to know him more. And then what do we do? We sing a song to him. And you're like, where does that even come from? Chapter 15 is one giant song that they wrote. Listen to what it says in 15 verse 1. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he is triumphant and glorious. We we, we, we sing because of what he has done. We are overwhelmed by his character, so we sing a song of praise to him. And so all of chapter 15 was one giant song, and it was just written in honor and praise and glory to him. Remember for the last couple of weeks we've been singing the song, I raise a hallelujah to you? I raise a hallelujah, and even in the presence of my enemies. And the idea that that's a hallelujah, that is a great praise. It is, is a high praise in, in Hebrew to the Lord God. It's the only one you would use that phrase with. It is the highest of worship and the highest of praise we give our God because of who he is and what he's done. And when do we sing it? We sing it right in the midst of my enemies. I wonder, we're not told this, but I wonder if there weren't over a million people that night while the cloud separated them and Israel was in darkness. I mean, Egypt was in darkness. I wonder if as they were passing through the water, I wonder if they didn't sing a praise 
to their God. I wonder if they didn't yell out a chorus to, their, to Yahweh, the great provider and protector. I wonder. But all I know is in our lives, you have that story right now. You have that image in your head. And may we end our service today. Let's end our service today with one great chorus. Let's sing a hallelujah to our Lord for what he does and how he works in our lives. His faithfulness every day. Never taking us back to slavery, but always leading us to freedom. Let us worship.